0: live with the best father and son team on the internet it's time for
1: homie and the dude what is poppin party people this is homie and the dude the father and son ttrpg and mma podcast and the home of about a thousand t- things that we're doing right now <laughs> literally like but wait no it's mostly around DD and mma and right now we have an incredible guest right in that DD world that we're pretty tickled to have on our show please introduce uh kyle the project manager for the rolling together stream team kyle hello. welcome. <laughs> hello <laughs> how you doing man
2: Oh, I'm
0: awesome. Thank
2: you for having me. This is so cool. I'm so
0: excited. <laughs> <laughs> you, you know, we, we've been really excited about this for a while. Um, you know, um, Matt recommended us speaking to you, Matt, from Dungeon Glitch. And, you know, I've, I've followed you guys for a long time on Twitter and have been keeping up to date with the stuff that you guys do. So uh, super, super stoked to have you here. Um, I wanted to actually dive in with a bit of a weird question for you because I've always been curious. I've, I've you know, seen your logo about everywhere. I've seen your beautiful art on your website. What in God's name is the creature that is in your logo? What, what is that creature? Do you have a name for it? What, what is this dragon-like kind so of that, thing that you have?
3: So first of all, her name is Light Holly.
2: Nice.
3: <laughs> and she is a prismatic dragon pup. So there awesome. is a, so in 3.5 D&D, you had epic dragons, because you had like epic levels. Like after you got to level 20, then you'd level in a sort of different way. And mm. they created all these epic creatures. So for the dragons, they created the force dragon and the prismatic dragon. And the prismatic okay. dragon essentially, you know, is all this light and it's rainbows and all that fantastic stuff. And then you have the force dragon, which is sort of like arrogant and ridiculous. and. I actually had one of my favorite abilities that I've ever read in D&D, which is um, arrogant superiority, um, which is <laughs> if, if the way it would translate into 5E is that if the dragon is physically above you, it always has advantage on its attack rolls. Wow. <laughs> Incredible.
1: Arrogant superiority. Wouldn't that be the description of most DMs? Yeah. yeah,
2: yeah. <laughs> In, in a sense I mean, for that, sure I mean, that's
3: a whole discussion right
1: there <laughs> <laughs> that is a whole discussion
3: your question that is a that is like Holly, the prismatic um the prismatic dragon pup um,
1: whose mother
3: actually does live in our homebrew world
0: incredible yeah because i've been seeing that around for ages and i've have loved the art i love the way that you know it, Holly looks very friendly, looks, you know, very inviting and, I and you know, gives me very much like Haku from Spirited Away kind of vibes, yeah, really. you know, <laughs> that kind of thing. You know, and, and yeah, I just absolutely loved that art. So I, I had to ask. I just had to. Oh, yeah, it's, been, it's, been, it's been eating away. When-
3: I adore it. And actually, we just got new um, emotes done for the Twitch channel. And the final, like, animated emote that we did was like Holly, jumping around and spraying rainbows
1: (laughs) beautiful nice that's amazing well i'm I'm gonna just build on the twitch channel i was gonna wait a little bit but since we're there let's go for it um i just love your twitch channel it is i can tell how much love you've put into that channel there is there are just the the different elements that you have for the audience to interact the stream commands the you know the bit rewards even the different aspects of donations and sub-rewards and all of that what what i guess what was the inception and the and the development of the channel to get to the point where it's really it is really welcoming and very uh i guess open to interaction with the audience
3: well uh, so for me i think it's first of all i have to shout out lando who's one of uh the partners over at um mm. over at Allies. Um, amazing amazing delightful person we've been working together for like a year and a half now um and just uh he's the one that does all of our um like back-end twitch stuff so he's like our tech guy and is just has learned so much about how to do things on Mm. twitch that Mm. i have no idea like it literally would be still be like me in a camera yeah (laughs) if I didn't have him. But does just the most incredible overlay. So I just wanna make sure that like, I, I shout him out. He's amazing. L's in the chat for Lando, please. <laughs> um, but to answer your question, the so the, it comes from a couple of different places. There mm. is, first of all, the understanding of what we're doing. You know, when mm. you are on Twitch, regardless of what you say you are doing, You are on Twitch because you want that audience. For for whatever reason you want it, it can be totally different things, you know, but that is absolutely a component of it. If you didn't want it, you would be doing something, like you would be pre-recording it, putting it on YouTube or just doing it at home or something like that. We are in a performance space. And the lovely thing when it comes to the performance of it is that we're not just in a static performance space. So it's not like, um, watching a movie, or even sometimes like going to see a play, um, it's a truly interactive artistic space that yeah. you're creating there. And when you understand that, it's it changes the way you start looking at both mm. Twitch and your chat. Um, mm. For me, I, I've sort of identified three sort of types of of gamers, when it comes to TTRPGs, you've got your hobbyists, you've got your gamers, and then you've got your artists. And Mm. it's like, and you can be in multiple, you know, in multiple camps there. It's not like they're mutually Mm. exclusive, Um, Mm. but like the hobbyists are there because they love it. There is this sort of, you know, fabulous connection for them emotionally to this. And they just, they just want to hang out. They want to have fun with their friends, that is. The gamers are there. These are the people that love the crunch. They love the numbers. They love the dice. They love Mm. talking, you know, on stream. It's all about, hey, I took this feat with this multi-class and I did this. And now I can do this amazing thing in combat or in, you know, out of combat, whatever it is. Super crunch. Then you've got the artists who are looking much more at the storytelling aspect Mm. of it. Um, and what you can do with that, I definitely fall into the storytelling category. Like I'm sort of okay. I'm storytelling heavy and hobbyist light. You know, yeah. like my my weakest is definitely the gamer. Like I'm not a crunchy DM. Um, mm. Okay. And when that happens, when you're all about the storytelling, what you want is as much inspiration as you can get for that mm, story. Yeah. And for me, what that means is having as many obstacles put in my place in in front of me mm. as as can be had so that as the dm if i'm like the monster if i am the big bad whatever if i'm just the environment that you're trying to get through like whatever i'm representing in that moment everything that helps the players is an obstacle for me getting to my goal which is to stop the players you know yeah. to hold them back to defeat them to defend my cave to you know, like keep my layer intact, whatever that is. Um, And so when the audience gets to throw those obstacles in your way, it's great. It's even better when the DM utilizes those obstacles to create even better stories, you know? Mm -hmm. And the way that I like to look at it is just, if let's say you're going into a layer and there's a bunch of arrow traps, and you can pick up a couple shields and run through. Totally fine, you know? Um, If the hero is then given something that just blocks the arrows anyway, I need to come up with something else to do. And so suddenly, Mm. instead of a hero just running through, now the hero's running through, and I am creating some weird mechanical construct out of my throne that is now going to, like, shoot bolts at them. Or something like that, which forces them to shift their action and everything becomes much more lively and engaging as the story Mm. develops, as new obstacles happen within an encounter, regardless of whether that's a battle encounter or not. You know? So that's why I do that, because I love that.
1: Thanks for watching this episode. We really appreciate you supporting Homie and the Dude. Please hit us with the Holy Trinity, like our Facebook page, subscribe to the YouTube channel, and follow us on
0: Instagram. Just search at homie and the Dude. It all really helps. You touched on a lot of amazing stuff there, and stuff that I think is you know, so. As as the the dungeon master for for our actual play stuff, and and I've created you know a good percentage of our world at this point, and and done all that because we we do homebrew as well. We don't do any um. um Wizards of the Coast or 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 third party kind of content. We 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 run a lot of homebrew stuff here. And it's it's one of those things you you mentioned a couple of different things. You mentioned, you know, the hobbyist, the gamer, and the 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 artist. And I also sit very much in the artist category. I let my players break the rules pretty freaking regularly because Mm. for 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 moments of great story, you know, I'm happy for, you know, someone to use a levitate spell a little bit differently, you know, than it's meant to, because it's you know, it fits the moment and, and allows us to elevate the moment and things like that. And I think, you know, I, it's funny. Like, I'm, I I agree with you. I'm also not the crunchy guy. Like, I'm I, I'm not that, though I can be crunchy. And, and, you know, when I play, I'm a lot crunchier because I've got, you know, my, my character in front of me. And I'm like, OK, so I'm, I'm, you know, I'm playing, for example, at the moment, a blood hunter Dampier. And I'm like, OK, so let me let me think about how I'm going to use my blood curses to then elevate the ability to yeah. suck people's blood like that's that's and that's like, you know for me
3: i would love like something like if somebody did something like that in my campaign for me it would be like i would want to homebrew like a thing where you throw the curse onto it and then if you actually suck their blood while well, the curse is active something happens you know that's like that's something that i would adore
0: yeah. yeah. And I'm, I'm like, again, I, I think we're very much aligned from what you've said in terms of, you know, that's a big part of what I do as well. Like all of my players, every single player at my table currently has something that I have homebrewed specifically because of their backstory or something that, you know, suits their character. You know, whether it be, you know, Blanco or, or Ranger, Awakened Dogs, you know, channel grief because they've gone through a lot of grief in their time so they can channel that and use it for good. Or, you know, Rom are, are, you know, Warforge's giant mechanical arm that he has that yeah. isn't a part of the rest of his body, you know. Um, and I think that's such an important thing to elevate the game and to do things. I, I really found a lot of value in what you said of the, you know, you're talking about as a DM, you know, your the you know your, your the things that are being put in front of you are the things to like kind of stop you and and to have the players have their their hero moments you know the shit that yeah. you know players play D and D for and um, I wanted to ask because someone asked me a question um, uh, basically two questions that I, I I'm very interested to hear your opinion on the first one is uh, someone asked me how do you feel as the DM that you constantly lose how how does that feel for you and someone was like. Like when you signed up to be a DM, did you know that you were going to constantly lose? Was that something that you like were prepared for? And I was like, I, I thought about it. I was like, I, I have never thought about that. That's never even occurred to me. I've, I've seen yeah. my players succeeding as me winning as well in a weird way. Yeah. And so well, how, how, well, how, and how do you feel about that?
3: So for me, part of storytelling is understanding how story beats happen, mm. what that looks like, how to create an engaging story, an exciting Mm -hmm. story, a compelling story. And a huge part of that is player failure. Yeah. There's, if they just win every single thing they do, if they succeed every single encounter, that is boring for anyone except the people playing. Like it's nice. And very specifically, if you want to get into the sort of physiological neurological thing, like it's, you get that sort of, that little dopamine pop. Like when you King. succeed, when you do something a little great, like it's just like ooh dopamine, boop 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 boop. So yeah. absolutely, like if you're just playing a table, players can succeed more. But yeah. as a storyteller with an audience, you have to be aware that, and the players do too. This is really important. The players have to trust the DM, mm-hmm. so that when a player doesn't succeed at something, they know they're not being punished. That this mm-hmm. is not like screw you, you you ain't the last chip in the bowl, so now you have to be punished for this. <laughs> you know, Like there's, that's not what that is. It is that this is part of the story. Yeah. And when you generate that trust with your players, that this is part of the story, you get amazing role-playing. Where mm. it's like, um, just yesterday, you know, so first up, before I get to that story, let's go back because I have a question for you about, um, the difference between breaking the rules and breaking the lore. Because for okay. me, like breaking the rules is fine because mm. you do that in real life all the time, but I will not break my lore. And the reason mm. for that is that all actions become meaningless after mm, yeah. the lore has been broken. Um, you know, if you can just sort of do whatever the hell you want at all times, then why even tell yeah. the story? Um, you know there is, and like having a homebrew world, one of the most important things is the depth for me of the lore. It's that yeah. we have been working on this for a year plus, and the players are at, are actively creating parts of the world. You know yeah. that it is just we're going to go here, and you're going to let me know what this looks like, what is yeah. happening here, what's going on over here, and so breaking the rules of a space is fine. There will be repercussions. There will always yeah. be repercussions. But if you try to break the Lord, you will be just bashing your head into a brick wall. and you can do that mm. as long as you want to. The Lord's not yeah. going to change unless you do something so astonishing that it changes the world.
0: Yeah, but just telling, telling me you want to change the world
3: is absolutely not enough to do that.
0: <laughs> I, 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 I not like again, I, I, I can already tell that you and I are very much on the same wavelength. I can, I can tell very almost instantly that a, as DMs we are We're living in that same kind of space almost instantaneously i i fully agree with you you know there's you know for example our world is set in a world of floating islands and there's a gray cloud layer if you fall through the clouds guess what you're getting dead like i'm not i'm not changing that for anyone like it, it, it there's there's no magic that you can do to fix that but like and within the deeper lore and you know as you get into you know factions and and you know who's doing what and you know all that kind of stuff i i fully agree with you even down to how magic works in my world. You know, I, it, it's, it's very important that, you know, that kind of stuff doesn't get broken and that you remain consistent because I think, you know, something that I want to come back to that you said in a minute is, you know, those doing it for the audience, like understanding that you are putting on a show for the audience at the same time as playing a and D game, because home games are very different to, yeah. you know, doing, Absolutely. doing a stream. And, you know, I, we, we have spoken about that many times on this podcast about the big differences that are in that. And I think, you know, you're you're totally right in of that finding the moments where you hit good lows, good highs, you know, player struggle, uh, you know, all, all that kind of stuff and giving, giving a real world, what, what I like to call like real world grit to yeah. a fantasy world, I think is really important. And, you know, showing that, you know, yeah, cool. If this bad thing is happening and you try and step in to stop it, cool, well, now if you, like, kill a guard that's being oppressive, for example, you're now yeah. wanted by, like, a, like the, the this, like, group of people and, like, you know, making sure that the players do see consequences for the actions that they take. Yeah. But, yes, I agree with you. Break rules um, and then deal with them as a DM and, and write it down, what rules you've broken so that you know when they're going to be broken again and, oh, you know, so you can what? apply that consistency. But also, yeah, you cannot break, you know, what is written within the lore of what you've, what you've kind of laid down. And that's how everything works. You know, if you look at, you know, if we talk about the masters of what we do, if you're looking at, you know, William Gibson within sci-fi, Tolkien within fantasy, you know, all these amazing people, you know, have been doing it for years. They don't break what they, the, the, the lore of the setting or the location that they're in. So no, I and fully, that's, and fully agree with that.
3: The, the thing is, is that once you have solid lore, then you can use that as a jumping off point in a million directions. Yeah. Like once that foundation is set, you can do all kinds of fabulous stuff. Um, Mm -hmm. And it's one of my favorite moments is like, so when I talk about breaking rules, I mean like even like societal rules within the thing, like there's sort of two, two concepts here. One is I love it when they do like, when they sort of try to amplify something And they sort of try to break a rule like with a spell or something like that. Mm -hmm. And there are moments when I will allow that um, in service of the idea that probably most of the time, there's not somebody coming up to you when you level up to say, here is the fly spell. Here is this thing that you now know. Um, It would be like, it would like be taking that levitate and playing with it and doing things with it until you figure out how to fly. And that's when you learn the the new spell. You know, I do that with my players with things like, um, like with one of them, it was, I want to learn fireball when I get to, you know, fifth level, I was like, great. If you're not using any other fire spells, you are absolutely not going to learn fireball. Like it's not a thing. But if you're using like, if you're using the firebolt cantrip all the time, you can absolutely start figuring out what else can I do with this as a role-playing exercise and then eventually, like, you're in battle. And, like, with this one, it was great because, like, they're like, I'm going to send a firebolt out. And I really, I'm trying really hard to just, like, get as many people with this firebolt as I can. And I was like, okay. And this time it actually explodes. And you yeah. have now figured out how to do a fireball spell, you know? And it's yeah. just things like that that allow for development through, yeah. like, you know, long-term study um yeah. to reward specifically players that have been there for a while you know yeah
1: yeah um, yeah it's yeah. it is I mean what's interesting is we're talking about in a sense we're talking about sort of a little bit higher level aspects of playing d and different different techniques and different styles yeah. and things like that I'm, I'm curious you know and I've been thinking about it myself as well like what is it and, you know, you can, you can, I think, put your finger on a couple of things when you look at the benefits of playing D&D, whether it's getting together with friends, having an opportunity to be a little bit more free, forgetting the world, being more artistic, being more creative, you know, all of these things, step, stepping outside of your own, wor- your own life and your own problems into, you know, some other fantasy or some other whatever. And all of those things for me, to some degree, are there, but I'm really trying to hone in on what is the thing. Like, what is the real, you know, when you talked about engaging with your brain and serotonin and stuff, what's your thing underneath it all that, that keeps bringing you back to DD? Because, you know, I know your one. I know for a fact your one is hitting
0: emotional highs and hitting emotional lows. I know that you love having scenes where everyone is pissing themselves laughing. But I also know, like, you know, Geo trying to do parkour. You know, Tom plays a turtle who is, uh, we, we've made turtles exceedingly slow in our world and and so Tom's character is very slow and not very nimble and he's also pretty blind when he doesn't have glasses on so he was trying to do this little like parkour jump move and just completely (laughs) failed rolled shit and it was just perfect it was absolutely hilarious and um and it was great but then on the other side we know you we come to the other side where and spoilers for anyone who hasn't watched one of our most recent episodes geo died like just outright died like there there was no death saves it was enough damage to just put him down down and um tom had this really deep intimate intimate moment with um a character that was in you know this purgatory plane that you know has been actually trying to contact him ethereally for a very long time and it was just this really beautiful moment that hit this emotional moment for you where you were just really in it you are you know, expressing emotions, yeah. and you know, often our players come to tears. And I know for you, that's something that you love. You love that roller coaster in a D and D game. I mean,
1: uh, yeah. I'll, I'll, since you've come to me, I'll go. For, let's all let's all share if we oh, could yeah, just what yeah, our cool. thing is. But I know for me, uh, I just know that I'm not as free as I'd like to be in my real life. As far, and, what, and what I mean by free is, like, there's a filter of uh, of decorum. That I need to have, and it's appropriate, whether it's professionally or even personally, Absolutely. that I we do all like code
3: switch. You know, like yeah. it's, that's, it's a code switching thing. Absolutely. Yeah.
1: And you like for me, when I look at artists, if awesome. I look at actors or musicians, um, someone on stage, uh, painters, the ones that I'm attracted to most are the ones that I can see. Have freed up the most, and they're just going with some of this organic energy that's taking them to a place that they don't even, at times, it looks like, know what's happening. They're just kind of in that flow, right? The flow state. That's the thing I want to explore. I want to get as free as I can in this setting um, because I'm not as much as I'd like to be in in my real life setting. The irony here is I'm getting more and more free in my real life setting the more DD I play, which is kind of a weird thing. Anyway that's mine and, to, and it, it does complement what you're saying, which is when you are free, you're open to the whole spectrum of emotions. So that's, that's kind of my deal. So what like, are one now? of the
3: best things that I've heard that I've ever heard when it comes to that, when it comes to like talent, what that looks like, like why you are to mm. people. Um, it absolutely fits into that freedom. It was somebody telling me many years ago before I started my performance career, um, that was just talent is just the willingness to experience. That's Mm. all. A willingness to just whatever the scene calls for, you are willing to go there. And it seems very simple, but it's not because we all have defense mechanisms. We all have trauma and triggers and all of the things that keep us from being the perfect person that we all would love to see in the mirror. You know, Mm -hmm. and when you're in that performance space if you are willing to experience anything then you can do that you can become that thing you can truly experience it and it's it's even more important when it comes to I think drama at like the low points than the high points like comedy is great and I love it and it is very difficult to do you know if you do not have some training with it like yes. there's a lot of people who think that they can do comedy on stream and they are absolutely incorrect <laughs> 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 the, um, but with drama like one like one that i have is i did a show um with the grand guignol theater company um uh and we did titus and and grand mm-hmm. guignol is a theatrical style where it's very specifically like way over the top it is yeah. like slasher film meets Benny Hill. You know, it mm-hmm. is. And one of the techniques that they use is called the hot and cold shower, where it's like you will have this incredibly bloody scene that would be totally appropriate in like a torture porn, you know. Mm. And then mm. immediately the next scene is like a lighthearted romp at the beginning. <laughs> you know, like and it's fine that you go back into the torture. And it's just. And it's a way to just keep screwing with people's like emotional balance, Mm -hmm. in order to make everything more impactful. Um, And in this show, so Titus Andronicus is is Shakespeare's um, bloodiest play. Um, Everybody kills each other. It is the, the worst things you can imagine happen. And so there was a scene. First of all, when my friends asked me, what's your favorite moment in the thing, you know, in the show that you get to do, which is something that you'll ask, you know, oh, yeah. what's your like what's the scene where like you really feel like you get to? Yeah,
1: yeah. Mine was because
3: Greg and also, like we would hand out ponchos to people because mm. there's so much blood. Like mm-hmm. <laughs> it's, um, <Nice>. <laughs> So it was, I would tell them. So I guess the, the scene that's like the most involved for me is um, I get to go up to a guy, stick my hand down his pants, rip off his genitals. Um, and we had like like an actual like, like dildo that was filled yeah. with yeah. blood. So literally rip it off, spray it around the audience, throw it into <laughs> a pit, and then kick him into a pit after it. And it's just, I'm like, and that's Shakespeare. There you go. <laughs> and so, but there, there was a scene where, um, uh, it's one of the most famous um, non-scenes in Shakespeare. It's the Rape of Lavinia. Um, mm-hmm. And it is where the two brothers of uh, the Sons of the King um, go and sexually assault this girl. It normally happens off stage, but because this was Brandon Yule, it happened on stage. And mm-hmm. so it's a very, very intense, Scene for everyone involved, and it's one of those things where if you're doing a scene like that, you need to. Now, let me be clear this is like the most extreme version that I had to do in my acting career on our channel. One of the lines is no sexual assault, like, we just won't do it, we're not going to touch it, it's not Mm. a thing. Um, but in the acting roles, like, you have to, there are times when you're going to get roles like this, and you have to make sure that you and the other person that's in the scene with you feel safe. And so what we would do um, before the show every day is we both used to love hand clapping games as kids. Mm. And so we would sit there for 15 minutes and we would do like Miss Mary, Mac, 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 all dressed in black, 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 and do like all of like, Mm. just these little things, just letting us know we're here, I'm here with you. We're doing mm-hmm. this, I love you as a person, my character is different than yeah. me as a human and your character is too and you are safe and it is okay. So now, because we know that we're safe, we can go truly experience this. All of yeah. the horror that is involved in this in order to create a response from the audience. Um, yeah. And for me, that is a huge part of D&D, in general, in a much milder way, um, yeah. that there is, I have never created a character that after the fact, I didn't see some part of some trauma that I've experienced, you know? Yeah. doesn't matter how different I'm trying to create the character, there's always going to be a tiny little bit of you in there. And I think that is the most powerful thing about d is it allows you to explore yourself, your friends, the world around you, the world inside you through a filter that still gives you real information about what's mm-hmm. happening. So if there is a moment in D&D, and it can happen just in the most lighthearted scenes, suddenly you have an internal realization about yeah. yourself or about a relationship that you have in the real world or about something that is something you've been trying to process subconsciously that came out in your character because the character is not you. You are different than the character. And I think that's really important to sort of stress in a conversation like this. You are not your character. (laughs) There is one of my biggest pet peeves is when people get so invested in their character that anytime the character fails, they'll get like mopey on stream and bring the energy Mm. down for everyone instead Mm -hmm. of taking that opportunity like your turtle failed at the parkour and instead of it being like well god damn, i was really i'm just trying you know it's like how can we make this failure delightful
1: for
3: everyone
1: (laughs) (laughs) do you know i i think well what's yours oh what's okay yeah yeah Yeah, Yeah. that's, <laughs> yeah, that, that's, that's, that's You're a great in that question that's but. a great question yeah
0: i'm just gonna skate skate past that no um, <laughs> so for me do you know what's interesting i like i am very much a forever dm like I, I i played a we played a game last night actually where i'm a player and i've i've played in many different games last night was and i said to tom last night last night was the first time in my entire time playing D and not dming it that i realized why people play as opposed to why they DM, and for me, I, I've always been more attracted to the DM side simply because, you know, growing up, I loved films, I loved, you know, all this amazing stuff. But I never loved, like, I never loved Brad Pitt in Fight Club because he's, you know, doing amazing. I loved the concept of it. I loved the the angle that it was portrayed. I loved the lighting that scenes were shot in. I loved. You know the music that's put to the moment, and so for me, I've I've always been a little bit more of that kind of like third angle director kind of point of view from that kind of stuff. And so for me, do you know what? Like, why do I love playing D? What what keeps bringing me back? It's it's giving other people exactly what you just spoke about. It's it's allowing me to feed other people those moments of you know personal clarity outside of the game as well as, you know, clarity within the game and the character that they're playing. It's, you know, hitting those moments of comedy where I am just crying with laughter because of something that my players have done all the way through to, you know, sharing a moment where, you know, uh, me and an NPC and a, a player are, you know, having a really deep emotional talk, you know, like, for example, we had one where our players had to tell someone that their husband had died and that they had been traveling with him in our in our home game and that they had been traveling with him um, for a while and that he had died on the travels and, and and that they needed her help to kind of get into his house and and, you know, continue his work, basically. And so that moment for me is just something I, I relish. I love I love hitting the drama and I love hitting the highs. Like, it's just beautiful. Do you know what I mean?
3: I love it. And I'm so sorry that I'm laughing right now. There was, so I used to work as a standardized patient, which is literally like, it's something where like you go, you work in medical schools and you go in and you portray patient issues. So that doctors, student doctors can experience them before they have to deal with them in the real world, right? Yeah, And Mm. you give them tips on like how to like, you evaluate them on their empathy and their technique and all that kind of stuff um and one of the one of the assignments is called dead husband day oh wow it is and it's how like the Mm -hmm. doctor has to go in and tell someone that they died and for the doctors it is terrifying for the student doctors it's terrifying for the actors it's hilarious because like Normally you've got like, like, you know that it's fine. Like no one's actually yeah. And yeah. normally you'll have like five or six exam rooms all set yeah. down a hallway. And like on one side, the doctors enter and on the other side, you normally have like the break room for the standardized yeah. patients. Yeah. So as you're like, you know, having some tea and chatting with your coworkers in the break room, you just hear this. <laughs> it's just over and over, like one room after the other. And it's it's really interesting because when you hear like it's it's so fun to and this is terrible of me to say but it is so fun to listen to that listen for that scream because like you're required to do the scream yeah. um and then if you hear a door slam after that it means the doctor the student doctor just couldn't handle it like they yeah. ran up the room and it's like i'm like oh
0: you nailed that moment. Well, 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 done. And you know, I think, I think for me, it's it's very much hitting the highs and the lows. It's it's yeah. enjoying that with you guys as like almost living vicariously through my players is is a big one for me. But well, what I was going to say, that's,
3: it's really important to have that like a, a real a great DM has to also be a powerful empath. Like you yeah. have mm. to be able to feel what your players are feeling not just for those moments but i mean the the reward for that is you get to yeah. experience those moments with them you know yeah. but also to feel the vibe at the table and to like the subtle shifts amongst your players so that you know when something might be going a little too far and you can re- mm-hmm. you can bring yeah. it back before anything bad exactly. happens or if you can like this is one where you can push somebody a little bit yeah. more, like, you know, bring a little more out of them, see what's going on. So absolutely, yes, experiencing that with them is a huge yeah. bonus to being yeah. a
2: studio.
0: I fully agree. And I think, you know, you you mentioned, so um, Tom Tom did some acting school for, for a couple of years. I studied um, performing arts as a whole. So mm-hmm. I did, you know, dance, singing, and acting for, for two years. And it, I think, I cannot, like, as much as I've met D&D players who have come from playing D&D and they're incredible role players, you know, uh, Blake Francis is one of those who's on our stream, just just an absolute beast mm. when it comes to role playing. I don't think he's done much drama outside of that. I, I'm not sure how much drama he's done outside of D&D. And for me, I feel so lucky that I did two years of, of performing arts of drama because it allowed me to, you know, hit things like emotional memory and draw on moments that really, you know, in my life have been painful. That I can then use those emotions in scenes. It allows me to understand, you know, when a fourth wall break Brechtian style, you know, makes sense. You know, when, you know, having, you know, all that, having the rhythm of the iambic pentameter from Shakespeare, you know, in a moment really elevates a character and certain things. So I think. I, I feel blessed that I got a chance to do that because it's given me the opportunity to now as a DM and as a player hit more of that stuff, be more like genuine. And like you said, be willing to experience a little bit more because I've done it in front of, you know, a couple hundred people, couple thousand people and made myself the ass as well as, you know, the hero. That's and I've good. also, you know, been, been, I've also done it in front of just a friend while we're rehearsing, you know, and it's, it's one of those things well, as well where you you open up in a way that you're not expecting, and it yeah, allows and you.
3: That's, to... It's it's huge for me. Like that whole the concept of like rehearsal is something that I use a lot because mm. there is for me like you know the you know I've mentioned like safe space a couple of mm. times for me it, my definition of safe space is very different than the sort of like cultural lexicon definition right now, um, yeah, which is just like what I found when it comes to safe spaces is, is that what people really mean is there can be no conflict yes. and yeah. there yeah. is, 100%. and everyone's terrified of that. Uh, for me in my space, what I prefer is, and with no religious connotations at all, a sacred space, yeah. a space where like you are not looking at the defense mechanisms or the the whatever issues are happening in the day for this person, you're looking at the person themselves. And yeah. what that allows you to do is to look through the conversation to see what's really going on so that you can truly have a real conversation instead mm. of, because, I mean, as I said before the interview, and I'm hoping that you have seen, this, is that I don't do small talk. Like there's just <laughs> not, it's, it's a, for me, it's such a waste of time. Um, Mainly because as, you know, as an empath, it is very easy to identify what's going on with this person. What's this? Mm. What's this? Ooh, ooh, this is an interesting thing. Let's talk about that. I don't I don't need that sort of like 15 minute introduction to a person that allows me to feel comfortable with them. I'm mm. like, oh, I see you. I see who you yeah. are. Let's just go, let's do it. I will show you exactly who I am every single moment to give you, because I know not everybody's an empath. You know, I know yeah. not everybody has that sort of gift. Um, so <laughs> I will be as open about exactly who I am as possible so that we are on equal footing, so that we can yeah. have the real conversation. Um, and- I feel, I
0: fully, like I struggle with that so often. Well, you know, like, you know, <laughs> it's in struggle as in I'm the same as you, Kyle. I and I, I just open up completely and people are like, yeah. Whoa! Like, how dare you ask me about something that you clearly yeah. didn't know about, but is clearly bothering me? What, right. what? do you it's mean? It's you're like, sorry, I just tell that work was a bad day today because you just came from work and you're in a bad mood. <laughs> so I thought I'd ask. Yeah. Why bad? I'm you intelligent know? and empathetic.
1: That means I know what yeah. the
3: fuck is yeah. going on with you.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: I mean, for me, I'm I'm just going back to I'm my my God, college God. days, and um, I can't tell you you know, people would say, well, what kind of rap does that person have? Or what kind of like, you know, what kind of, uh, you know, pickup game does that person yeah. have? Mine was awful because <laughs> I would go and talk to someone and I would ask him that question, like, okay, so what is it that makes you really happy at a bar? Yeah. <laughs> you know? Oh, absolutely. 100%. They'd say, <laughs> you know, they'd want to talk about, you know, what the, the, the best pop song that's out right now, yeah. or the, you know, the, the 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 movie or whatever. And it's very uncomfortable if you're not, you have to, like with a lot of things, you have to get comfortable in that space. And the more you're in that space, the more you're, it's a place of ease for you. And, and yeah. for me, it's a place that I seek out. And when I see people are uncomfortable in it, whether at it. by the way, you can see it on a d and table as well. Like sometimes you know, if you get a table of, of complete empaths across the table, wow. That, I mean, oh not to God. say that not having oh. that isn't, isn't, a, you know, a different oh. experience as well. But when you have that, heart, everyone yes. is going to embrace it. Yeah. It's insane. And um, we, yeah. we have a lot of that in our game. But I think my point is that I guess what we don't appreciate as much is how uncomfortable that can make other people feel. And yeah. I have learned through the years of a uh, failing, of, of treading lightly if I need to, of, of kind of easing in, you know, easing in with a couple. So
3: I'm gonna give you a little pushback on this because I it. have experienced a lot of this and the same type of thing where like you go to a bar, you're talking to somebody and like just, some people just are not there with that yeah. depth immediately. What I have found, is all I have to do is if somebody shows me that they are not comfortable with that space is Mm. just look at them and say, are you okay? Mm. And that's it. No other questions. Not making an assumption about why they might not be okay. Just, hey, are you doing okay? And with absolute sincerity, like I actually want to know. And what I will get back 99% of the time is something that they honestly want to talk about. And Mm. because I am not scared to have that conversation. And because I honestly do not believe in most social boundaries, you know, Mm. like physical boundaries. Absolutely. Everybody gets their space, but social boundaries where it's like, Oh, we probably like, like just, you know, only professional talk or something like that, don't believe in it, don't have time for it, not interested. And because of that, the response that I get most of the time is people having genuine conversations because I can create the sacred space inside me and that allows other people to enter that space so that they don't need to be scared anymore. And even if that only lasts, while you're sitting at the bar, having conversation with someone, that's fabulous. But like, I mean, I just, you know, I went down on a, one of my friends had a work trip and I went with them um, down to the National Gallery in DC and everybody is all dressed up. You know, this is a fundraising event. There's a bunch of cool stuff going on. And one of the new um, curators, was the wife of one of the people who were meeting on the business trip. And everybody is definitely in their business. They're like, mm. okay, well, here's this and we're gonna blah, 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 blah. Like nothing, nothing really being said about anything. And I saw the wife just sort of sitting there like on her best behavior and just went over it. And I'm like, so what is this? And she's like, <laughs> oh, and she started with like the, Like, the spiel Mm. for donors, and, um, which I definitely was not one, like, let's not, don't get it twisted, I don't, I don't have enough money to actually, like, do anything with the National Portrait Gallery, but there's (laughs) the, like, I went, I just, like, what's this all about, and Mm. she gave me the spiel, and I was like, no, no, not what you're gonna go tell, and I pointed to, like, 15 people, all of them, what's this actually about? Mm. and she just immediately was like let's just grab a drink and I was like (laughs) so we went over to the bar and we had a lovely conversation about the nature of art and why this place is important and why the history is important and why this new thing that they're doing is important and all of that and just started that for me is what is the most beautiful and most important part of any given day is the ability to have that kind of conversation where everything gets laid on the table. No one has to be scared about the things that they're going to say. And you can argue with each other about things. And you can disagree. And no one has to be scared about the disagreement. You can just have different opinions about things. And all of them can be right. And that's okay. (laughs) Do
0: you know what? Uh, so, for, first of all, I, I love your technique. That's kick-ass. That's super, super kick-ass. I appreciate the way that you go about, you know, e- engaging with people and breaking down those barriers. I think it's, I think it's absolutely amazing. And two, two things that I want to say is, you know, ju- just share, you know, and I'm, I'm, Tom has seen me do this countless times. My, yes. I have two friends that I grew up with in, in boarding school. You know, what, one of them is very a lad's lad, as we call them in UK, like very like geezer kind of bit and Jesus was not a, you'd have to say a, like a like uh, like a jock
1: no like a no like a like a yeah yeah
0: yeah and uh and um and the other one is a little bit more like soft around the edges but very like intrusive very very keeps things to themselves and my whole thing the way i do the same thing that you do almost and, and, and it sounds like an awful way to put this but disarm people in of that, you know, remove that layer of bullshit, you know, off the top so that we can get down to brass tacks and actually have a meaningful conversation that we had both come away feeling was worth the time that we've both been sat yeah. here is my, my method is I open up. So I, I lead by being like, you know, my, my thing is like, Oh, you know, so this is really like, Oh, I'm, I'm really new here. So I, I don't really know what's going on. You know, if I was in your case, I'd be like, I don't really know what's going on here. I'm, uh, I'm definitely, I'm out of my depth here. I'd love to know a little bit, a a little bit more about it. Like if you'd be happy to kind of break it down for like the, the, the layman and not the, the, the donor, you know, let, can can we talk about, you know? And so that's kind of my method to go about it. And I find for me, that is always work for me. And with Mm. friends, you know, with my two friends who are very much, you know, in, in a different headspace to me, you know, it's very rare that, you know, I sit with them and we talk, you know, about like, I, I, I don't know, like small talk, like world problems, you know, whatever. We're typically talking about, Oh, you know, you're, you're, you're struggling with, you know, Oh, drinking too much, or, you know, you're, this is going on at home or, you know, you, you, you want to, you're, you're trying to achieve this at the moment. How, like, how can we discuss this to get you closer to that? You know, that kind of thing. And I think something that I love and I want to just reference, cause I, at the moment I'm having a, an avatar, the last airbender binge. Um, oh, so yeah. I, <laughs> I, I, I keep, keep coming back to this with many people that I talk to at the moment, but something that I absolutely love is there's a scene with uncle Iroh and Toff when they first meet each other. And he says, you know, there's one of the greatest gifts in life is sharing a tea with a stranger. Mm-hmm. And I like, I've never heard anything so like accurate and just so true. And I think it, you know, you relates back to what you said, that having that genuine conversation is just such a A beautiful part of life. And I, I can't agree more with you that having that moment. And and a lot of the times, like it's with a random stranger, which is, you know, my, my partner like for better or worse, probably loves and hates taking places because I'll go to like her friends or people that are friends of her friends and be like, so let's, let's break you down and have a little bit of a chat and I'll I'll (laughs) tell you about me and let's, let's really get into this. And she, she's often very proud of that, but also at times it's like, oh my God, he's doing he's like, <laughs> oh, here we go. Here, like he's, he? he's going off to buy my else, favorite you know?
3: moment of that is because I'm always the guy that ends up like in the bedroom with somebody, not yeah. having sex, having a conversation, sitting on the bed. <laughs> yeah. You know, like that's always me at any given house party. Um mm. but, but one of my friends invited me to read, she was um throwing a baby shower for one of her friends and she invited me to come read tarot cards and you oh. don't want an empath to read your tarot cards because we don't fuck around you know <laughs> like there's we're gonna tell you what's going on um, oh, yeah and <laughs> so they send in the first person like it's a very fun like there's like 15 women there it's all like this fabulous fun light-hearted thing with you know like all the different baby shower games and they send in the first person and we spend about 15 minutes together and she comes out of the room weeping and goes and sits down and everyone just <laughs> like stops and like what just happened, what happened <laughs> what's ever? going on What's he- <laughs> and, and she's like no it was fine no it's really good it's just a lot it's just it's really good it's just and the next person like and like all the ladies are just like what yeah, right, you, you must cry at everything, like, whatever. And so then the next person goes in, comes out weeping. And mm. same thing, after like 10 minutes, they're fine. It was just, you know, yeah. and then the third person goes in, they come out weeping, and now everybody's like,
1: what is
3: happening?
1: <laughs> oh,
3: God, I've got to go in next. And so they did, every single person came out crying.
1: Yeah, yeah. And
3: then, it was just, but it was always beautiful. It was always some yeah. little bit of self-discovery, you know, that they yeah. had never dealt with before. And it turned this whole, this little sort of like fun, cute little yeah. encounter into a real bonding experience with all these mm. people. And mind you, I had no idea that this was going on outside because they just kept sending people in. Yeah. <laughs> and when I get out, just everyone's just hugging. And it just, it was amazing to see because mm. they have, this shared experience that had opened them to mm. something. And for me, that really is what d and can be all about, is a shared experience like mm. that, that truly opens you to other fun, interesting concepts in your life. And it's just, I think it's imperative that people see it that way, that there is, that this is something that you can do that is relaxing It is like super fun. It is just a delightful thing that you can do with your friends. And it doesn't matter how lighthearted it is. It doesn't matter, you know, how much people are having a great time, you're going to discover something. You're Mm. gonna discover something about your character or yourself or your friend or the world, something. There will always be a discovery. Um, And I just, I adore that. It just makes me so happy.
1: No, I agree. I agree. I think the more we're relatively new at playing D&D, but it is the more I think we get into all of the different aspects of it, you know, preparing, building out a character, preparing yeah. early early parts in a campaign, developing your character, finding out how the interactions are evolving on the table, then having particular moments with certain characters in situ- certain situations, mm. other characters in other situations that whole process that whole experience is is somehow affecting my brain in a way that it just wants more of it and i think you know i think to your point there's something about and i think to your point as well though there's something about this this element of self disclosure that it's i think for me certainly when i was growing up all the way through probably my 40s i looked at self disclosure as a weakness yeah i looked at it like i my philosophy on life was to have this like we did not get on for these years. Yeah. Tom felt like this. I'll just have you know, that's that's make that very clear. It's, it is true because my my technique was to create a veneer of him like being an impervious and put together dude, right? That had n- no weaknesses and that you know didn't have any weak moments or you know I'm sure I could be emotional, but it was all packaged very everything was packaged, right? Yeah. And I just knew that that wasn't, that just wasn't the impact that I was wanting to have in relationships and conversations, things like that was very surface level. And well, I didn't realize also, it was me.
3: It's very
2: disconnected.
3: Yeah. And it doesn't it's allow total.
1: you to do that. Yeah.
3: Like when you're sort of handing someone, and I absolutely get this, you know, like yeah. you're handing someone the package that they expect that is, this is me being upset. Here you yeah. go. you yeah. get one tier out of me that's the extent of it i've given you this little this little bit and we will not do anything outside of this little box that i have given you and then that doesn't allow you to actually deal with whatever is happening internally so
1: that's it that's exactly it and so i think you know i learned late in life and i think you know i i i don't think my dad ever figured it out uh and maybe you you can go through life no i don't think so he he did not and, and many people can go through life and, uh, and be perfectly, blissfully, I wouldn't even say ignorant, but blissfully not wanting that or not being aware of it. Um, my experience was that once I discovered it, and I'm not even sure the first time, but once I discovered self, sort of self-disclosure, I realized something really, really interesting, which is if I, if, I, if I used it like holding cards as an analogy, if I put a card down, More often than not, much more often than not, someone else, and they might be holding their cards close to their chest. They will put one down too. Yeah. And now you start putting cards down. And you again, I have found over and over again that very few people leave you twisting in the wind if you're self-disclosing. Most people want to, yeah, you know, want to make sure that you're safe, make sure that you're okay metaphorically or whatever. Do you know what? I think I'll throw this out there to you just as a thought because mm. you said you're not sure when it kind of first happened. I
0: think so. So Tom for many years was uh, like he said uh, that person and you uh, can call me a
1: dick. I don't care. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 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 um, and, and for many years, you know, you, you were in one head space and, you know, very much my mother and I are, are we've always been like we're consistently who we are through every aspect of life. We can, uh, like without remorse, be who we are and, mm. and nothing more, nothing less. And I think for you, the big moment it switched, Tom started meditating and started doing meditation. And that was a big one. And I think that first Vipassana that you went on, Tom went on like a, a I don't know how long the retreat, 10, 10 days, 10 days. Yeah. And it was in complete silence and meditating for 10 yeah, days. Yeah. I think you had to show, you know, when you're talking about putting the cards down. I think you had to put cards down for yourself, first mm. so that you could then in in a weird way put cards back down for mm. yourself before you could start doing that with other people and that was like a big moment for you and it, it yeah. unlocked some shit that was that was pretty well, pretty amazing
3: I, I think that people don't realize just how much noise there is inside their own head yeah. you know yeah. like there's so much going on and when you do something like that when you go to like a silent retreat like anybody can get through several hours of silence there's enough there are enough pop songs and old tv episodes in your brain to get you through that
2: conversations (laughs) that
3: you wish had gone differently you know relationships that ended poorly there's plenty of noise in there for you to survive Mm. once you get past that sort of initial day of it Mm. and like you wake up the next day and there's still no sound Mm. like that is suddenly when things will start coming forward because they're not being shoved out of your head by all that noise, you know? And that's, for me, that's something that I struggle with all the time because I have DID. So there's literally like seven other human beings in my brain, you know, like trying to yell things or do things, you know, and Mm. getting them getting all of that noise to sort of line up so you can accomplish tasks is a real struggle most days Mm. and it's one of those things where each of us is going to have our own journey you know and Mm. each of us needs to find the tools that are actually going to get us to where we need to be where we want to be it's not Mm. about and i think this is really important it's not about what some psychologist on television told you or what twitter is screaming at you or anything like that you're going to have your journey and you're going to have your goal and you Mm. need to get there you know yeah for me the goal is figuring out how to just get everybody in line without having to spend two hours in the morning setting myself up for that you know Mm. like that is the thing how to have real movement in my life um and it might be like completely different for somebody who has like anxiety or like depression or something like that we're all going to be able to find we we hope we're all going to be able to find the right tools to get Mm. past it and i think that's really important just in general to to remember that there is that the experience that you're having you can be compassionate about your experience with other people um and the knowledge that being in a community does not mean that everyone is the same yeah that there are resources in that community there are outlets for things there's support there's all that kind of stuff but you might never actually find someone that's going through exactly what you're going through. Mm. And that's okay. You don't need to try to mold yourself. Like DID is a vanishingly rare disorder because it requires that there is at least like a decade of trauma, you know, mm. like consistent horrific things because mm. your brain doesn't just break. Cause something bad happens, you know, it's, it's a long journey to get to that disorder particularly, you know? And so I know that like, it is very unlikely that I'm going to find somebody who has the exact sort of like situation that I do, but I can also sit down and I can have conversations with fabulous human beings like you about like, what was your journey? You know, this Mm. is the thing you went, you had a goal to get to, essentially a better person that you Mm. wanted to see yourself as and you did what you needed like when you discovered that that, and this is the big thing there is you had to discover that there was even a path first Mm. Does that that existed true True. and then once you do then you choose to take that path and you do what you need to to get over the obstacles in that path so absolutely Mm. i congratulate you fabulous good job 100 percent Dude, He's a kick-ass
1: right dad now. kick Thanks, now. But I would say right back at you, Kyle. Um, you know, it sounds like you've been on quite a journey yourself, and you're just a really, you know, positive. Your energy, super positive. You're a light, smiling, happy person, and you exude that type of energy that allows people to, what, whether to be more comfortable, to just, you know, be in a better space. And I think that's a credit to you as well, because it sounds like your journey has been. You know, full of some twists and turns and some ups and downs and maybe a lot of downs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So absolutely.
3: Well, and for me, that's a huge part. Like D D was actually a huge part of me discovering what mm. was going on because mm. I literally like so when I first started playing, I would like pick these characters and I looking back on it now, I literally was playing the different personalities that had developed mm. in my brain. Like mm. it was, that was just it. And I was like, you know, it was a way for subconsciously for me to start processing what was happening, you know? Yeah. Um, and one of the best things that I ever heard was one of my players, which like, they're like, D&D is therapeutic, but it is not therapy. And I just wanna make sure that mm. people who are listening are like, D&D is not a substitute for a therapist. Like do not, mm. yeah. do not make that 100%. mistake. D&D, yeah. If you play D&D, like, you know, the day before a therapy session, you will probably have a lot to talk about. <laughs> yeah.
1: Can you clarify? Like, can you just medically, because w- what you were describing um, in my mind is, you know, I've heard terms like multiple personality and that type yes. of thing. But what, what is DID? That. So D&D?
3: Okay, is so it's another. That. But the the, the issue is, is that part of it is that, like, there's no depictions in popular culture that are sort of accurate. Yeah. Like it's all this like hyper extreme cases um, and there's what they've realized like everything else when it comes to psychological medicine is that everything's a spectrum,
2: you know? And there are
3: different ways for these things to um, evolve and different ways for a human brain to cope with whatever they're doing you know, um, and so for some people, it, you know, there are, they will actually lose time, you know, like there is, there will literally, something will come over them, they will wake up in a different place, they won't Mm. know how they got there, they will not have any memory of what happened, Um, that hasn't happened to me for a very long time, Um, and part of it is, and this is sort of, this is one of the weird things about me DMing, is essentially what what I developed as a defense mechanism against all of this stuff that was happening in my own brain is that flow that you talk about. Mm -hmm. What that is, is that is a liminal space. It is the space between your conscious mind and your subconscious mind. Your conscious Mm -hmm. mind that is literally used to sort of filter reality. Because as we are speaking, your brain is, you know, pulling in every single sound from every single source around you everything that is happening anywhere in your vicinity you know but it's filter your conscious mind is filtering most of that out so that you can concentrate on the thing that's in front of you
2: you know okay.
3: um so my my conscious mind is currently filtering out my entire kitchen the ring light that's right here the computer like the sounds in the apartment complex that are happening yeah. around me so i can have a lovely interview Um, and your subconscious brain is essentially the giant computer that is processing all of the stuff that's happening all the time. Um, Mm. and when you get into that liminal space between the two, it allows you to sort of bypass that filter. So Mm. that you can just pull everything Mm. from everywhere at all times. The issue is that your conscious brain cannot retain that. And so it's one of the things where when you talk to somebody, especially like an artist that like gets into that space Mm. and you try to talk to them about what happened in that space afterwards, it's all very fuzzy. Yeah. Yeah. And so that's what happened with me is that I developed the ability to sort of step into a liminal space that instead of these, I call them constructs because it, it, it feels like it gives me a little more control over the situation, mm. you know, um, there's, they can then move past me instead of just shutting me down completely. So I can yeah. still sort of remember that I was at a place that I would not be able to tell you like exactly what happened while I was there. Um, yeah. and the other thing that has happened to me is because the way that my trauma was formed, um, I have like severe PTSD um, in certain spaces. And what my construct sort of learned to do is if they really wanted to come forward and I wasn't having it, they would just put me into PTSD. Like literally yeah. I have constructs that have some somatic control over different aspects of my body. So yes. like there is, there's one that has control of my endorphins, which are yes. essentially homemade heroin. Like, mm. if you make a heroin substitute in your body every day, all the time, so mm. that if you, like, break your arm, your body will get flooded with, with endorphins so that the shock doesn't kill you. It sort of mm. shuts down a lot of your pain receptors, makes you feel nice. Um, yeah. And so I have uh, a construct that will literally flood my body with endorphins if it wants to come forward, because then I sort of just go to bed. You know, Mm -hmm. it's literally like shooting up heroin and it's like, oh, okay. Mm. And then it can shut me into the PTSD, which is a self-reinforcing loop. So Mm -hmm. while it's out there in the world doing the things that it's doing, I am stuck in the worst moment of my life, reliving like that horror show constantly. Um, The reason that I am sort of saying this is twofold. One is when you have been through the absolute shit show of a life that I have experienced. Mm. You can get really down. And Mm. most of the time, if that's the direction you're taking, you will enter free fall at some point and you just won't survive it, you know? Um, The other direction that you can take is to look at the fact that the world around you is amazing. It is gorgeous. And you get to meet gorgeous people that are absolutely delightful all the mm. time. And you get to play these games and you get to do the things that you want. And there's a beautiful sky outside and there are animals and trees and an ocean, and just all kinds of stuff, you know, yeah. that this is the world you will never be able to explore the whole world, but you can try.
2: You can mm. try to
3: see just how beautiful things can potentially be and Because I feel like because I chose that direction, what I'm always looking for is I'm looking for what's the most beautiful moment that I can have with someone else? What is that thing? And it can be so many different things to so many different people. But when it comes to DMing, I have the ability to enter a liminal space while I am DMing. And the bonus of that is that I can literally keep the entire world in my head. I can mm. keep every NPC. I can keep every item. I can keep every, every stone of every city that we have built on this continent. I mm. can keep that in my head and pull out pieces as necessary, which means that my players can do anything that they want and I will be able to give them a real reaction to it. What's going to happen in the world because you made this choice? So it feels grounded and concrete and allows them to make grounded and concrete stories around it. Mm. So again, it feels there is that impact to the story that you won't get if everything's just sort of in free fall. You know, the issue is is that I have to ask my players next week what happened
2: because I'll
3: remember like being like oh, that's right. Okay, we did do this. Okay, here we go. Now I'm sort of starting to piece it back together. Gotcha. Um, But it's it's really, if you can get into that flow as a DM, it just allows you to be completely present in the Mm. story that is happening. And you essentially become, instead of being another player, or the storyteller, you just become the story and all yeah. of your characters are playing inside you. You know, yeah. it's just, you have this space that you've created and they come in and they're gonna do things and you're just gonna react to all of the things yeah. that they're doing in the world. And you're gonna pick, here's my favorite. Here's a baylor. that's a fun toy. Let's put that in yeah. here. Let's see what this happened. Here's a legendary weapon let's see what you do yep. with this here we go um, um and at the end of it what you get is you get you get to tell the stories that your players want to tell in the yep. world that you wanted to create and yep. it's just a glorious glorious moment
0: do you know what how much does uh, how much does that sound familiar fucking me coming to tea <laughs> the next next week being like um can I coming to my mom and being like, uh, can, can I see your notes from last session? Because um, <laughs> I don't remember what I called the library that you guys went to. Um, and you, you know, um, and there uh, were
3: books and a lot yeah. of them, and there was yeah. like a monster or something. Exactly. <laughs> you
0: know, you know. For, first of all, I just want to say thank you for sharing that and yeah. and, and breaking that down for us. I feel like you know a, a lot more educated on both the situation and that whole um condition I, I don't know the correct terminology um it's technically uh,
3: disorder it's, it's disorder. dissociative identity disorder
0: so disorder amazing and you know i i think one i appreciate you just being so honest and open about that i think you know it's super interesting as well because you know it's very interesting that you're battling this constantly and and dealing with this constantly and it you know it makes me appreciate you as a person very much in terms of you know how, how put together you are and you know across the board of what we see on social media and all that kind of stuff of just how um well you know you you portray yourself and what you give to the community and what you what you do across the board i think you know, I, I respect the internal difficulties that you go through, and then are able to be so helping with things like Fig and you know roll together and all this stuff, and you know being a huge ally of the the Alpha Alphabet Mafia as you call it, and uh, and you know and 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 doing all that stuff. It, it's something that you know a lot of people who have internal struggle shut down to. They they lock themselves away and go, you know, I'm dealing with so much that I cannot be there. I cannot be everyone else's support. And I, I, I really, truly respect that about you again.
3: Well, it's very helpful for me too. Um, and hmm. a big part of it is you cannot get through, like, regardless of what the issue is that you're facing internally, Hmm. you cannot get through it alone. You're not going, there is only so much information that you have in your own brain. There's only so many solutions that you can possibly have in your own head. And one of the things that happens is that when you're dealing with an internal struggle, your world becomes one foot square, just your skull. You are living in, this world is so tiny. And as soon as you start talking to somebody else about it, suddenly it opens up to the size of a room and there's more space for it and you can move it around. You can look at it, you can get, and it's just that support alone is huge. And one of the things, one of the reasons that I look so put together (laughs) It's because I work with people that know what I'm all about. Like, they know Mm. that there's going to be some struggles, but I'm then going to bring to the table every part of me. Like, Mm. and, like, there's a lot of me to bring. So there (laughs) is. And it's just, so you find the people that are going to help you move through that. And that's one of the reasons that, like, I, I really wanted to help out with the stream team when I started, you know, it was, mm-hmm. I wanna find a way to connect all of these streamers so that there is a way for us to all get to the place that we wanna go, even though we're all heading, we're not all aiming at exactly the same target, but I know that if we work together, we can all help each other hit the various targets. And then once mm-hmm. we can hit those targets, let's figure out new targets to hit. And then we're yeah. gonna go after those. and. One of the things that a lot of people don't understand about like dealing with like project management or like setting something like that up is that there is just so much that goes into it behind the scenes, Mm. you know, like my, my calendar typically has between 20 and 30 hours of meetings on it every week, you know, and it might be check-ins with people that I'm working with developing new ideas, finding new people for the stream team, finding people for, you know, planar allies, finding people for Mm. FIG, doing session zeros. Like, what are all of these meetings you have to have? And one of the things that everybody that I work with knows is when I'm in a meeting, I am here to be efficient. This is not a, I want to hear myself talk situation. It's like, okay, I have a half an hour with you every two weeks. I need to download all of the shit. Mm, been going yeah. on for the last two weeks to you so that then we can have a conversation about what the next step is. And if I don't yeah. end a meeting with a next step of some kind, if there's not a reason to move forward, then I feel like the meeting is a failure. You know, yeah. whereas a lot of meetings that people will have are just like there's somebody standing there like, and no projections are gonna be this. And I can <laughs> you in an email. We didn't actually need to do this, but I like the attention, and this is the way I get it. So yeah, deal with it. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. But are you all? Have you all like done anything like that? Like, are you like involved in like a stream team, or like do you have like like certain partners that you like work with a whole lot?
0: Oh yeah, we. It's <laughs> <We're... laughs> so, a couple things. First of all, um, I, I, I just coming back to. To, I'll, I'll bridge to a couple of different things. So, first one is I, I uh, again, just appreciate it because you know I I feel, uh, I like, in some ways I f- like, right? How do I get this out right? Um, you it almost instantly from the moment we started talking today. And it, this it's so weird. We we choose great people. I don't know how we keep doing this. I think it's because I think it's because we meet great people. They recommend great people, and we end up having amazing conversations and you know uh, again this is another podcast where i'm coming away going holy shit well i'm going to be checking in with Kyle over the next couple months and <laughs> and and going to be talking to Kyle about some shit going forward <laughs> because I, I just feel that like almost instantly when we started talking i felt like you and i are very aligned we think very similarly we we act very similarly both as dungeon masters and as people um you know don't get me wrong i i don't have a disorder of that level in any way shape or form i'm 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 you know, in some ways fortunate, in some ways, you know, um, the, the the benefits that come from those things. Let me be clear, things.
3: you are very fortunate.
0: Like yeah. that is, <laughs> yeah. that's a,
3: it's, it's something that we're like, I'm sort of battling right now online is because mm. a major Marvel film came out and depicted this as something that like, oh, you're going to be able to do amazing magical things because, yeah. you know, yeah. there is one of the things that happens a lot with disorders and even things like, anxiety and depression is mm. they get sort of, um, they get just, what is the word? Sorry, I just lost the word. It is, they get um, not modernized. It is the dream. It is fan- that people create a fantasy around mm. them of what this is, what they see is, mm. Like, the struggle that people are going through to overcome it, and they see the overcoming of that struggle. And I think, because I am an optimist, I believe that there is, what they're seeing is the strength that people who have gone through it possess after they've gone through it, and they want that strength. Mm, The thing is, that strength is accessible to everybody. You don't need to have a disorder to get there. Like, (laughs) you can absolutely just... Mm be a great person and exercising those muscles will literally give you the same strength it's like the difference between somebody having to go through physical therapy you know and somebody just going to the gym you're going to be working the same muscles you're going to be developing in the same direction totally fine and we don't need to sort of you know create a uh, like a glamorize
0: it like glamorize it yeah yeah
2: Yeah.
0: a hundred percent you, you, you know, I think the, the, the fact that you've spoken so openly about it and, you know, all that kind of stuff, it, it, it's really important. And I think it's super, super great. And you know, again, like with with things like that, you know, I, I definitely suffered from anxiety. I do yeah. regularly suffer from anxiety and uh, and depression in the past. But you know, it's one of those things of you know, it's something we go through and we battle through. And like you said, we get stronger and we come out the other end. And people often see the the superpower that comes with cool. I know I can conquer this shit, so I can probably conquer most other things. And yeah. uh, you know that that like you said, that's something that they see that as like something that should be glamorized, but it's, it's not because the struggle you go through to get to that place is fucking dark, lonely at some times and, and, and yeah. very hard to, uh, to conquer. So I really, really appreciate you saying that. And again, feel very aligned with you on, on a lot of those things. Um, the other thing I want to say is, um, based on your question. Yeah. Fuck. Yeah. Like we're at work. It feels like we have a, like a hundred fucking meetings every freaking week. Like it feels <laughs> yeah. like I'm constantly like, oh, I'm meant to be planning my next session right now, but I've got a call in an in 20 minutes. So, yeah. ah, you know, like, and, <laughs> and, and so on and so forth. And yeah, we, we we do work with some amazing people like my my writing partner Tony who's actually in America and he's working on you know he I do the floating island bits of our world and he does the the on the ground bits of nice. our world and um and you know we we work with Mark Garkusha on on stuff and we work with uh, underground oracle publishing and you know we're, and again any other collaboration that anyone wants to have with us typically we're very open to to working with people because you know like today, it's very rare. It feels like that we choose the wrong person and walk into something where we're like, oh, that was a fucking mistake. Like we we should not be, <laughs> you know, talking to them or we should not be, hey, like it's very rare that that mm. seems to happen for us. I think we're we're both lucky and choosing well at this yeah. point. But I like, I just really see a lot of value in what you've said today. And I hope anyone who does listen to this hears that and knows that, you know, There's, there's a lot of light at the end of the tunnel in that, you know, you can find support from other people. And like you said, you know, you, you and I, you know, we've gone through very different sets of trauma, you know, for me, like my big awakening that Tom had, uh, I I had cancer twice and that, that shifted my life dramatically and just put me in a place where I, I could think about things differently. I appreciated life more. I appreciated people. Like you said, I look up at the sky and I'm like, fucking hell, isn't that beautiful? I can go sit on grass and do nothing and just appreciate the sounds of the town around me and just, you know, do that kind of stuff. And so I think though we have not gone through the same things, I I feel like intrinsically connected with you over a thousand miles away, you know?
3: That's the thing about dealing with trauma and pain is, and this is something that, I have tried to sort of express on Twitter and it is very difficult in the medium Mm. of Twitter to get the nuance of this correct, Mm. you know? And what it is, is that there are a lot of people in the world um, that center what makes them special on their pain or on their trauma. That it is, they think that the fact that they've gone through something makes them special. And Mm. they will sort of, you know, like you've got virtue signaling. There's also, I'm seeing like a lot of trauma signaling where mm. it is, well, my trauma was worse than yours. Well, my disorder is worse than yours and things like that. Mm. And when you start getting to the other end of it, one of, the reali- one of the things that you realize is that pain does not make anyone special. Trauma doesn't mm. make anyone special. We all have. it. Yeah. Everybody's been through it. And ultimately pain is pain. And it doesn't mm. matter, like, it doesn't matter how bad it was or how much you had it, mm. you've all experienced it. We've all Mm. experienced it. We all can empathize with each other when it comes to pain. And we don't need to like do, you know, a dick measuring contest about Mm. who had it worse. The ultimately what it is, is it's not. If you center yourself, what makes you special on how much you've been hurt in your life. Essentially, you're never going to get out of it because Mm. that is, Thing that you're going to use to gain whatever you want from it. The attention, the support, all that kind of stuff. If all that you're talking about is what hurt you, that's, a, that's what you're going to get. You are going to get the people who are like, oh my God, I'm so sorry that you got hurt. Oh my God, sympathy, 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 sympathy. You get a completely different thing when you start moving through it. And that is strength and it's clarity. And it's an understanding that that sympathy, while nice, is like sugar it is yeah. empty emotional calories there's nothing mm. that can be done with it
2: you know like
0: <laughs> you just that's a great description, that that was was a great,
1: description.
3: <laughs> and when you get through it suddenly you will start having conversations like this about what does it mean to actually be supportive of somebody that's been through this what mm, does yeah. it mean to center yourself on moving through whatever you're doing and then find the people that you need to help you make it through there. You know, Mm. what does that look like? What strength and insight and wisdom do you gain from that? That is the thing that will make you special because we've all had pain, we've all had trauma. You're not special for having it. You are special because you're an amazing DM. You're a beautiful artist. You can sing gorgeously. You are incredible with numbers. You are amazing at accounting. Whatever it is, that's the thing
2: that mm.
3: actually makes you special and living inside your own pain stops you from being that.
0: Yeah. Do you know what? I think... Uh on that note i think that is that <laughs> if ever there's a message to to slam the <laughs> gavel did. down on and, and project out to the Word world is adjourned yeah <laughs> that is that's the freaking one right there i think you know it, and i fully agree with you and i would say you know in some ways those people leave themselves open to being hurt more to experiencing more pain because they're almost fishing for you know, some of that stuff, you know, to, 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 to continue the ball rolling, you know, it's something they continue fishing for. And I think you're totally right. You need to find the thing that makes you special. There
3: definitely has to be a little, I'm going to throw a little nuance into that statement. There's a difference between victim blaming and dealing with somebody who is, because again, it's a dopamine rush. It literally, the entire video game industry is based on that dopamine addiction that we have and social media amplifies that dopamine addiction and that sympathy it's sugar but it's also dopamine that is a dopamine hit and helping somebody move past that desire for that dopamine hit it is difficult in and of itself you know so i'm absolutely there yes absolutely people will look for that but it's not because they're a bad person. It's not because no. they're broken. Mm. It is because your body and your brain is specifically designed to want that
2: thing. Mm. You
0: know? Yeah.
2: <laughs>
0: yeah. And if that's been your coping mechanism, it's how you get it. It's and, yeah. and and that's something that you know people people gravitate to. But I think, you know, honestly, Kyle, I think. You know, I, I, I'm just looking at our, our list of
1: topics We here. didn't cover many. We didn't, <laughs> didn't hit a single one today. Um, and, <laughs> and that's just okay. And that's well, exactly you know what, what we well,
3: were let's, let's do a flash round. One sentence answers for everything you've got on that list. Let's. Okay. <laughs> All right.
0: We'll, we'll, we'll do a quick one. We'll do a super quick one. So first one is um, Delver's Dream, Season 3, um, The Dwarven Mine. How's it going? How are you feeling? And uh, and what's what's you know the best part of that at the moment for you?
3: Okay, fabulous. We have just started doing some things that I haven't seen anywhere else on the internet. Um, uh, we figured out how to do actual live cutscenes with no darkness. Like we can just pop over to a new scene. So we did that in the at the end of season two, um, where we actually had in the giant fight in between each round, we would cut to a thousand years ago what this thing is with two of the characters in the fight and then 500 years ago after the round two and then a couple days ago. So you could see that progression while you're watching this fight, right? We are now doing that with our um, Hunter's Harvest stream, which is our secondary campaign um, where you actually have, we have a band of villains and a band of heroes and they you get to see in each episode, we'll spend like 20 20 minutes, 20 minutes, 20 minutes, 20 minutes so that you can see the villains developing their plans and the heroes developing their plans. And so the audience gets to actually witness what's happening. It's not that sort of, ooh, mysterious villain doing a yeah. thing. Mm. You get to like see what's going on with these Very characters. Cool. And then when they actually come together, it's gonna be freaking good delightful. Um, when it comes yeah, to that. every stream, just killed a character uh, yesterday because I will not bend the lore. Like you can break mm. the rules, but you can't bend the lore. And mm. there's, we had established that there was, um, there was a, an archlich who was trying to take over the world, and is still there. They had, they did not defeat her at the end of season two, but like they've got some plans. Um, <laughs> she had figured out how to some of these things. In canon, in D and D, there's a thing called a nightwalker, which is a CR twenty yeah. undead creature. It's terrifying, yeah. um, mm. and the only way you can create it is if you take a person and you throw them into the negative energy plane, and then this thing will emerge that is sort of mm-hmm. the replacement for that person on the prime material plane. And the yeah. only way to get the person back is to send the Nightwalker back through, and that's almost impossible. Um, mm-hmm. So they kept coming out, and the Archlich had control of that. Um, but they learned exactly what happens when you throw somebody into the negative material plane, and one of my characters did that. Wow. And suddenly a Nightwalker appeared, none of them were prepared for it. And I was like, you know what happens? Like, it is canon, this is what happens if you send someone to this plane physically and now there is a Nightwalker. And it killed one of the characters outright in order to get it back. Another character had to like transport themselves to the positive energy plane while they sent the Nightwalker to the negative energy plane, whole thing. The reason I love this is because now that person, like in our world, magic has been shut down. At the end of mm. season two, the God of Wisdom shut down magic on the world. He wasn't able to shut down magic in one city because there were so many like huge artifacts there that, to keep it going. Um, but what has happened is because of that and because of what's happening with the crystal sphere around it, no planar travel is possible except by this one touchstone. And you have to have two things and it'll send it to different planes.
2: Amazing. Oh, okay.
3: But now, in order to save himself from the devastating effects of the positive energy plane, he sent himself to the Astral Sea. So now we're gonna have oh, him out there in the Astral Sea getting to play potentially with some Radiant Citadel, fun stuff, and some <laughs> Spelljammer Delightfulness. Um, so I can now have, but because I know how to do these cut scenes now, I can have him like actually cut to a completely different overlay completely different map, all that kind of stuff with him instantaneously, while the other group is still on the prime material plane trying to figure out what's going on. So that is what we're doing. Amazing.
1: So can I just clarify, does that mean your PCs are playing multiple characters in, in a in a session? So they're playing the- No, these are
3: completely different people. So it's literally uh, like- so we've Oh,
1: you're cutting- testing.
3: Yeah, so we had three three heroes and three villains. And they okay. each have their own overlays and their own things. They're in completely different spots. It's nice. six people. And so three okay. people will be on stream. And we introduced this this week, so we did a fun little thing where it was like, we do our intros at the beginning, and it's nice, and it's fun. And we do our sponsors, and it's delightful. And then we're like, what the fuck is going on? What the hell is happening? And suddenly yeah. the whole stream flipped, and now you've got these villains who are coming in.
1: Oh, just man, wrecking shit. I love it. <laughs> You, you have consistently shown some really creative things with, you know, even, you know, your, your, your settings about, you know, quest for resources in, uh, in Hunter's Harvest, just to, to, the resources are actually in, you know, the monsters or the, you know, the, the yeah. animals. And I think that's just that you, you have a, a real creative slant on the worlds that you're building. Really, really interesting. So we invite folks to have a look at Delver's Dream. You're on season three. Um, Hunter's Harvest, A Quest for Resources is another great stream for you all to check out. I'm definitely going to check out this, um, this dual, you know, cutaway <laughs> thing. That's, that's something that I'm, I'm very, very enticed by. Oh. Um, well, Kyle, over to you as well. What, what things uh, are important on your side with regard to wanting to get your audience to, to know about or od- our audience to know about?
3: Absolutely. So... The first thing would be Planar to Allies is our Twitch channel. Um, that is where we do two actual plays. We do Hunter's Harvest, we do Dungeon of uh, uh, Delver's Dream. Um, all kinds of fun shenanigans over there all the time. Great role playing. We also are, because I'm not super crunchy, we do something called um, narrative combat or 10 second combat. So if the combat is something that you just, like it's too much to listen to somebody go through all the roles and all that kind of stuff, if that's what's mm-hmm. keeping you, from listening to, uh, to from coming and joining an actual play, come on over, because we do all the fun stuff over there with, and still plenty of dice for all the dice goblins, still plenty of dice. <laughs> like, <laughs> but if we're at the end of a, if we've got like half an hour left and I know we can't get through a combat, we'll do a narrative combat instead. So that you still okay. get that feeling, that narrative sense. Um, okay. And the 10 second combat that I mentioned is very specifically like if there is a duel, like if on your turn I decide that like, I want to I wanna know, I want a better story from you about like, I'm a fighter and I, have, I will hit you twice. You know, if I want a better story than that, what we'll do is 10 second combat. You literally have 10 seconds to tell me one move that you're making, not a turn, yeah. but one move. And it might be like, you know, I'm going to grab my sword off my back and I'm going to swing directly at your head. And I'll be like, 10 seconds, great. I am going to duck under that sword and I'm going to sweep the leg so that you're on your face now, what are you gonna do? And then it's that, like that kind of combat so that it really is a very cinematic feel to it. Um, Also we do on Fridays, we do Magnificent Mythologies which is where we bring on a BIPOC or Alphabet Mafia creator um, from a different culture We don't do European mythologies because Watsi has that absolutely covered. We got all the white people mythology we need. We're good. (laughs) 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 Um, I love Celtic mythology, Greek mythology, Roman, Norse, all of it, I absolutely adore it, but we got fun. Um, So Mm. we'll bring on somebody from a different culture um, and we will take one story that they love from their culture, whether it's superstition, it is a an actual myth, just a story that they heard the grandma told them, whatever it is. Um, and we will actually listen to that story on stream and then we will create a full one-shot adventure. Mm, wow. On stream in like about two hours. And Incredible. we'll create the whole narrative for it, all of the characters, everything, um, and then the foundation for inclusivity in gaming fig um, will pay for an artist to come in and create like a gorgeous cover and internal art for it um, we will mm. pay for the layout of it and then we post it on our site um, the lovely thing about this is that 100 of the ip belongs to the artist so while i am credited as a writer on the things i will never get a dime from it and i do not have any control over what this artist wants to do with it they can do anything at all they want because that is how you, are, you can be a true ally in spaces like mm. that is if you give up your control over these things and let mm. somebody who is different than you lift their voice and utilize this resource that you've created for them, however they want. And the thing that I would say to everybody is please go head over to Magnificent Mythologies um, on, uh, on Drive through RPG because every time you shout out any of these, because they're all Mm. on the same page, every time you shout out a single adventure or go get a single adventure, you are helping a dozen creators of color. Yeah. By drawing attention to just one, because if people go to that page, they'll see all of them. The cover art, gorgeous. Mm. Um, So love that, and then every other week, we um do our wonders of the world where we do world building on stream with connor um the healer dm um and that is super fun cuz we get to I, like if we didn't get to spend too much time like in a city i can mm-hmm. then build out the city like Absolutely. afterwards all that good stuff um we are planning on starting a couple of new streams um there's going to be all kinds of stuff oh we are also working with coyote pro which is an um a decolonized indigenous setting. Um, that's gonna start in two weeks. It's gonna be the Coyote Pro talk show. It's gonna be a six episode limited run um, where we're gonna be bringing on people from Coyote and Crow to talk about it and help people who are into Dungeons and Dragons and other TTRPGs, help them understand how they can enter easily into Coyote Pro and, and start utilizing yeah. it um, as a fabulous setting. Um, especially mm. like a decolonized indigenous setting. So seeing what could have happened to the U.S. if mm-hmm. the Europeans had never arrived. What would it I'm look right. like today? It's gorgeous. You know? And our second episode is gonna be live at Gen Con with Logan, who is one of the DMs. It is so exciting. I'm so- Very cool. Gen Con, yay! Um,
2: <laughs>
3: other than that, I would love to shout out the Foundation for Inclusivity in Gaming. Um, absolutely go head to figforall.org if you would like to help support us, if you would like to help support Creators of Color. Um, we are aggregating the smaller donations that we get and then utilizing that to help sponsor um, not only the Magnificent Mythologies, but also sponsor like specific streams or events mm-hmm. um, that are happening that are... Um, like Alphabet Mafia or BIPOC hmm. creations in the space so that we can help lift those voices um, yeah. in a, a real and non-performative way. Um, and finally, there is the Rolling Together stream team. There's 15 different streamers on the team. They're all fabulous. Uh, you can find us at uh, twitch.tv team Rolling Together that they'll have a list and show you who's on whenever we've got like 15 hours worth of programming on Sunday, Mondays, and Tuesdays, and then at least wow. eight hours of programming on every other day. So wow. there's someone, you can find us. We're going, we're doing the things, and it's fun <laughs> to so come and join us.
0: Yay. Incredible. You know what? So much great content for everyone to check out. So much amazing work for for you guys to co-investigate I uh, hope you roll high on your investigation checks as you dive through all of that that Kyle just <laughs> said. Um, and uh, you know what? Well, uh, first of all, I've I, I've seen some of the um, the the stuff that you know Fig is doing and and, and those uh, those mythologies that you spoke about. They're they're freaking awesome. They are really really great. I can I can totally testify for that. That's something that I very much think is super sick. And uh, and you, you guys definitely should go check that out on Drive Through RPG um, for us here. We're homie and the dude, father and son, TTRPG, MMA team. Um, If you didn't know, we have an actual play podcast uh, where we have players roaming around and basically conquering shit in a a land filled with floating islands, steampunk technology, and uh, and heavy droughts as it is. (laughs) Um, And um, yeah, that's something we're doing at the moment. Furthermore, um, we have just started um, our newsletter of holding. So if you would like to stay up to date with any information about us, content that we're bringing out, as well as also receive free d and supplements, be entered into every giveaway that we ever do, um, go do that. It's on our website. And that is homeyandthedude.com. You can find the newsletter of holding section, just type in your email. It is completely free. You get all that good stuff for totally free. Um, and then the final thing that I'll say is we have a discord server as well. So if you want to come and see behind the scenes content, if you want to see art from the stream early, um, if you want to just ask Tom and I, quite valid questions or stupid questions we'll answer them <laughs> um and uh we're happy to interact with you there so please go and join our discord server we'd love to have you guys there otherwise we're and the dude across all platforms um yeah thank you so much for joining us today kyle, Thanks, and, kyle. Uh, we'll uh we'll catch you guys in the next one see you soon yeah right. see you guys